night when the moon is high. The shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is So now is the time to let the horror you know Welcome back this week to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Ian. And I'm Trent. And we are Super Friends. Da, da, da. I feel like I just saw you guys. Already back again. Yeah. We haven't left your house uh, in uh, weeks. Is that what it is? <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Not planning on it either. That's right. You're we over like there with, here. You're over there with that thing, like, thinking that you're... Trying to draw the cat out from behind the couch. One one night, that's going to be me back there. <laughs> you just got to wave like a turkey sandwich out. Yeah. Come out with no like, his, no melanin in his skin. Yeah. He's like Gollum. <laughs> you see my cat back there. Precious sandwich. sandwich. This house a, has alcohol and rock. pizza and super soft blankets. We're never leaving. Hey, you stop caressing that blanket. Like I'll <laughs> never stop. All right. Is, is this blanket dipped in cocoa butter? <laughs> It's going to be wrapped around some in a minute. <laughs> oh, God. So I think Why? we've been drinking for a while. I've only taken one shot. So do we have more alcohol? We do. Do you need some more no. to get you through this? No. I was going to say, at 1 o'clock. I'm You're good. in luck. Ian Wells good. has his magic bag of... Oh, my God. Oh gosh. He's got some uh, E&J. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the... Uh, How long has it been since you've had E&J? What's the magician that oh, has wow. like... That's like the bag, and he keeps pulling stuff out. It's like never ending. That's <laughs> Ian in his bag of alcohol. Well, it ends after this tonight. He's got some nice brandy. Pulls out like a giant keg. She's a fine She's girl. She's a fine girl. <laughs> She's a fine I, girl. I beat you to it. Finally. All right. This week we are talking re 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 repossessed. We're talking about the Exorcist. Ooh. That's a great scariest movie great, of all time. That's what I mean. A lot of people say that it's it considered pretty, one of the scariest movies. Of do all you time. know what has been rated recently the scariest movie of all time? Veronica on Netflix. No, <laughs> have you actually watched that movie? It's horrible. It's, it's not horrible. It's not horrible, but it's not the scariest. No, movie. no. So no, they horrible. like they did this like rate thing where they like hooked. I don't know if they hooked people up to like a heart monitor or something and like <laughs> measured it that way. The scariest movie of all time. Sinister. What? What? The first one. Yeah. I was like, I was mm. I was reading this and I thought, well, that can't be right. So I read more of the article and it was like, yeah, scientifically proven because of people's heart. I was like, okay, well, that's horseshit. I'm going to go to another article. And there were multiple articles that were saying the same thing. Like, oh, it's scientifically proven. I was like, I don't want to live in this world anymore. Well, we're not like going to get into another the- science debate, are we? Yeah. <laughs> Because I was weeks ago, because I will obviously stuff. win. Those scientists <laughs> neglected to realize that that movie is not that scary. I don't know. I I don't really. It was care a for cool movie. Movies. I liked it, but I I didn't feel like it was that. The scary. first one was better than the second, but I wasn't a huge fan of the first one. But no, I didn't think it was that scary either. Uh, another one that ranks really high. I don't agree with Hereditary. No, I never did watch that one. A good scary movie. It's a creepy movie. I find it creepy. We found it creepy because there was like a naked unsettling. man standing in the. How about unsettling? Yeah, I don't know. That's for another day. All right, so you guys ready? 
Sorry, I was oh, trying to give you a little chief. horror you know fact. That was some good good well, knowledge. Drop that on you for sure. All right. So William Peter Blad- Blatty. He's the author of the book Exorcist. Mm-hmm. All right. He passed away in 2017. He got this idea for The Exorcist when studying at Georgetown oh. University. And a professor professor was doing lectures about exorcisms in class, um, which specifically mentioned the story we're going to talk about, the true story behind The Exorcist. Uh, Roland Doe. So, Roland in the Doe? Roland, <laughs> Roland in, in the, the Deep. Doe. So the lecturer mentioned a diary that one of the priests had in Blatty was able to get a copy of this diary that one of the priests had in this actual exorcism. He contacted Reverend William Bowdern, the priest who performed the exorcism, and with this information adapted Roland Doe's story. His novel was released in 1971 and topped the bestsellers list immediately. All right. Uh, A couple years later, William Friedkin contacted Blatty to turn it into a film, and Blatty wrote the script for it. So he was also the scriptwriter of this movie. Hmm. So right away, it's based on a true story, supposedly, and it was Georgetown University, which Blatty was going to school at, which is also in the movie, Mm -hmm. Georgetown. Mm And uh, so that's, that's some cool ties there. <laughs> Story is loosely inspired by a young boy in Cottage City, Maryland during the 1940s. The boy was known as Roland Doe, and he was not identified for almost a decade and a half afterwards to keep him anonymous. Uh, but many experts believe his real name is Ronald Hunkeller. Hunkeller. Something like that. Hunkeller? H-U-N-K-E-L-E-R. Hunkeller. The boy had stayed out of public eye, but since his death in 2020, more information on him and this story has come to light. So this guy lived all the way to the 20s. 2020. Uh, the Exorcist is based on the 1971 book, and it's inspired to write the novel after reading the Maryland case. Uh, he adapted this to the 73 film, Where Am I At?, starring 12-year-old Linda Blair. Didn't, Linda Blair at the time was only 12 when she got this role. She was wanting to be a an, a model. And she hadn't really tried acting yet. This is her first role. But her mom brought her in and uh, freaking asked her because he was kind of worried about it. He asked her, you know, you know what this movie's about? And she kind of told him and, and they he kept on asking her different questions. He's like, do you know what masturbation is? And like... <laughs> In the interview with her and her mom, she's 12 years old. She apparently knew all about it and was oh, like yes. straight up, straight up told him what it really was, you know. And uh, he's like, oh, it sounds like she doesn't have any problems doing this, you know. So uh, she was the most adult, I guess, 12 year old he could find yeah. acting or like at least understood the themes, you know. She so, looked like it too because she didn't look like she was 12 years old. I thought she was like 15. Is that not real? It said when she tried out for it, she was 12. Maybe when they actually... Well, no, that's still would be three now, years before Now, in the second movie, she was one. 16. Well, I mean, like, I know in the movie she was supposed to be 12. I thought I read that she was really older, but maybe not. Like, a couple years. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Don't fact check me on that. Going you might be right. I mean, different... Sometimes you different sites right. say different things, so... I may be crazy. <laughs> Ian, if you've been paying attention, that's our third Billy Joel reference tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quiz you later. So, You're here's the true failing. story. <laughs> yep. 
March of 49, newspapers reported that a 14-year-old boy known as Robbie or Roland Doe was possessed by something sinister and that priests performed an exorcism on him. The boy raised in German Lutheran family was no stranger to the paranormal things in life. After asking for a Ouija board for his birthday, his Aunt Harriet gifted him one. After she passed away, the boy began to experience the creepy and abnormal things around the house, rattlings on the walls, strange noises, and flying objects coming off the shelves of every room. Roland's family contacted every expert, all leading to a dead end. After getting no answers, the family finally received help from Father E. Albert Hughes, the family's local Catholic priest, and an exorcism was performed in February of 1949. I think it's kind of weird, though. They were Lutheran, and a Catholic priest is who was contacted or who came to them, and they let him in. Because Lutherans and Catholics are pretty diametrically different. He was a Catholic named Luther. You're misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. My bad. (laughs) The exorcism had stopped early because Roland ripped off a piece of the mattress spring and threw it at the priest. A few days later, Roland started getting red scratches with the marks spelling out the word Lewis. This alerted the family to go to St. Louis University, where he was introduced to Father Walter Halloran and Reverend William Bowdern, who performed an exorcism on Roland. Now, I did read, uh, I didn't put up my notes here, but I should have, I read that that spring actually cut the first priest pretty bad. Like he had to have multiple stitches up his mm. arms. Um, so, like, that's pretty, a pretty strong thing to do for a young boy. Like, even for us, you know, pulling a spring out of a mattress and then gashing somebody with it is pretty pretty brave and emboldened and also strength. I don't feel like me as a 14-year-old could do that. That's pretty... Springs on beds are like... Yeah. I had trouble opening a jar of mayonnaise earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because it was a pop-top lid, Trent. (laughs) Was it... No, I mean, like, was the mat... Did he, like... Was the mattress like? Did you just punch through the like fabric, or was there it already like a say, hole in it? Or punch something? through the fabric. Yeah, see, I think it says he ripped off a say, piece like, of mattress spring and threw it at the priest. I don't know if it was. <laughs> I don't know what mattresses looked like in the 1940s. I don't know if they were enclosed with the cotton and everything like we have now, or if it was like that's what I was picturing. A mattress like that's a, like, that's a thick layer that you'd have to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Probably I, I just feel like it would be too. something easy to do. To break There's only one way to find out. Trent, let's go in your bedroom and punch through your mattress. <laughs> Jensen just sound asleep and just come in there. <laughs> Tomahawk the bed. We gotta catch your mattress up. Up. Come back to sleep. I'm trying to prove a point. <laughs> it's for science. Over 75 years later, experts believe the boy is Roland Hunkeler, a former NASA engineer. So this boy went on to, after having all these exorcisms, Exorcism. or this exorcism, uh, once they found out who he was, he went on to have a prominent career in NASA, and he actually helped on the 1969 moon landing. Mm. So he was one of the one of the engineers for that. Uh, he died of a stroke just shy of his 86th birthday in 2020. He passed away at his home in Marriott'sville, Maryland. After the series of exorcisms that he went through as a child, he actually had an incredibly successful career working on the Apollo missions and the extreme heat shields or sensors for the spacecrafts. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. That really has nothing to do with the story outside of that's what he did after the story happened. That was kind of neat. 
Uh, not many people knew about his secret identity except for a few close friends, academics, as well as Jesuits who knew the priests who performed the actual exorcism. Uh, according to his partner, according to his partner, Hunkler was always very worried that his co-workers would Hunkler find Lynch. out and would even leave his home every Halloween, terrified that someone would harass him. He later retired in 2001, 40 years uh, after the events. So his kind of life, you know, they, they kind of called him out later on. But at, at first in the newspapers, he was just, since he was so young, I'm assuming, he was just considered rolling doughs, kind of like a Jane Doe, right? Mm -hmm. So so that that's the whole story. They just did an exorcism on the boy. You know, supposedly it got out all the demons and it wasn't like a big ordeal. He he spit and cussed and this and that, you know, and apparently vomited. But it's not as dramatic of a story as the one we did previously on the exorcism of Emily Rose. Like everything I read about the this young boy, it wasn't like a overly dramatic deal. It's kind of like the poltergeist story that we told earlier. You know what I'm saying? How long was the exorcism? Like lengthwise? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was like as long as the Emily Rose one, which was supposedly. No, apparently this was fairly like he started exhibiting these symptoms and it was fairly quick. So Just popped in and out, exercised him. They all went out for some pea soup after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really <laughs> like everything lame, I read but... didn't really go into like like. His, I mean, it did say that comparatively to the movie, like he vomited, he like stuff started shaking around the house, like it always does with like some kind of either poltergeist or paranormal type stuff. But then, like, it does say that it had Lewis on his stomach, like in letters. I remember in the movie, it said, Help me. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are some similarities, but Which, Lewis, by the way, Lewis owes me 20 bucks. <laughs> He probably does. And I'm coming back to collect. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Lewis owes you twenty bucks. Let's talk about let's talk about that help me on her stomach, right? Mm-hmm. So the the live in like babysitter, the nanny, if you will, comes and grabs the priest, says, I need to show you something. Takes him into the room, undoes her shirt, shows him that help me. How'd she see that in the first place? Why'd she have that girl shirt off? That was her mother that showed him that. No, he didn't. No, it, it was, was, it was, the, she it was the nanny. She didn't want to tell the mother. She didn't want to tell the uh, crease. Oh. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe she just was in there checking on her and maybe... Oh, checking on her belly? It's freezing cold. Oh, so know. it's freezing cold. Let's take, Let's off, take off some shirt. Well, what's weird also is that the... She could have been changing Maybe she spent something... On it. I must have watched that well, wrong. So maybe she spilled something on it in the nanny or whatever had to help her. On the shirt? But what's and weird like, is that the on help me itself, the letters. What'd you say? I said people spill things on shirts. Oh, spilled. Yeah. But you said spelled. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what I'm saying spelled because what's weird is the letters spelled out as they were watching it. Like it kind of was real subtle and then yeah. they kind of grew. So like. Well, By that logic, there would have been before? nothing there the first there time she looked. So, like, was it there, then went away, and then it come back again? I think originally she was just showing him, she has an Audi. <laughs> oh, shit, that says help me. <laughs> well, you going to help her? <laughs> <laughs> I 
What are you going to do? I mean, I'm trying to look at different websites to see if there's any more to the story. It really doesn't say anything else about the actual, like, like the only thing different from what I said is they called it an infestation. So of, of, of paranormal demonology and so Pazuzu is not real is what you're telling us Pazuzu is actually real we'll talk about that here in a second but Pazuzu it's not real to the story Pazuzu is an ungrateful gargoyle is what he is Pazuzu is a do they call him by name in the movie because I don't remember no. hearing it it's implied with the statue I think right but I don't think they ever said the name in the movie I, that remember, I remember it. but then again I was watching it late at night and I think I watched it over like two or three different nights <laughs> I watched it in increments. It's too scary. I just couldn't do it. I had to break it up. That way I could watch part of that and then SpongeBob right after. <laughs> kind of level it out. I had to balance out my, my SpongeBob. SpongeBob to take that little edge off. But here's where Trent fucked up. He watched. <laughs> you have fucked up now. He watched this episode or he watched this part of this movie. I was like, I got to watch SpongeBob take the edge off, right? He accidentally turns on the episode with a hash slinging slasher. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. I did not sleep that night. Okay, so here's something else that I just now read. So we're going to go ahead and throw this in there as well. His Aunt Harriet, who got him the Ouija board that started this whole thing, was a spiritualist in St. Louis. Son of a bitch. Which means... Of course she was. And... Apparently, when she died, he had trouble dealing with the grief of her death. So it kind of alludes, in my mind, to he might have been acting out over all this stuff. You know, it might have been, you know, him showing his grief through these weird ways. And and she was a spiritualist, which some people say is hokey mysticism and science and mm. fakery just to rip people off because she would do readings for people and stuff like that. She taught him how to use a Ouija board and, you know, maybe he was manifesting his grief through this possession, quote unquote. Cap- I don't know. Captain it's just Howdy. me saying it. Captain Howdy. You know what, you know what an interesting thing is about Captain Howdy? What's that? Like I like, I like that she called it Captain Howdy, right? It's kind of funny. Mm. What actual character in a later horror movie used Captain Howdy as the same name? Oh. It's trivia. You know it. Hold on. Not Captain Spaulding. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) No, Captain Howdy. Oh. I know this. And it's going to be hard to remember the name for me, but oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember it. The name of what? The movie? Wasn't that hard for you at all? Watch you you say it and maybe like, fuck. Think think on it, and I'll move on. Send in your responses, listeners. There we go. This is going to fucking bother me. Captain Howdy. Anyway, okay. So, Hmm. uh, I mean, there's other things. It talks about him making sounds of a guttural voice, being in a trans-like state. You know, they saw objects flying across the room in the boy's presence. Um, You know, some of this stuff can be... Fakery, or it could be real. Did his we don't head know. turn all the way around? His head did not. There's <laughs> can, no accounts of that. His bed levitate. Can you give me any clues? We're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take We're it. We're not taking any clues, so oh. forget about it. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> no, that's actually a clue. Twisted sister? <laughs> that's actually a clue. Do you want me to tell you? 
in no. the audience. Okay, well, I'll keep <laughs> on going. No, no, I'll keep on it's, going it's on. It's going to bother me if I don't. Twisted Sister. Or is it? Captain is, Howdy. Is the clue Twisted Sister or is the clue we're not going to take it? Both. Not a damn the clues, clue. The clue's <laughs> Twisted Sister. Okay. The clue's D. Snyder. Is it a, wait, is he in the movie? He is in the movie. Oh, then I, I don't think I know it then. Tell me. All right. It's D. Snyder's uh, Strangeland. Nope, that's not what I was thinking. He's in a movie called Strangeland where he plays a serial killer and he calls himself Captain Howdy in the movie. No, I wouldn't have It's a direct movie. reference to Captain Howdy. I thought, there was an, I thought there was another one. The Exorcist. I was thinking Insidious. Maybe. You seen that one, Trent? No. But I love you, D. Snyder. I hope you're listening. If you guys haven't seen Strange Land with D. Snyder, which you all just admitted you haven't, you need to go out and watch it because it's actually a really good movie. D. Snyder can't listen to this podcast right now. He's under the knife. <laughs> or is it under the blade? Under the blade. Under the blade. Damn it. It's called Strange Land. Strange Land. All right, so let's go on. Now I'm going to talk about the movie a little bit. Some some interesting things about the movie. Uh Freakin, the director, insisted. Freaking director. Freaking director. Freaking director. Rolling in the dough. He's, he's kind of one of these crazy 70s. I'm sorry, you didn't tell me Robert Englund was in it, though. That's awesome. No, I didn't tell you that. You got to find that out you yourself. You're correct. That is a fact. <laughs> I don't want to give all the goodies away. He was away. saving that treat for when you went to watch it. And you I know. Like, you're like, oh, Robert Englund. Robert Englund. It's too late. He's going to be in the new Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is. So Friedkin I've heard some stranger things. insisted on filming in Iraq, northern Iraq, where Pazuzu actually is a real demon in their culture. Okay, but he's a demon that protects you from evil. Yes, I so, actually did know that. So he's actually a bad, bad demon, demon that can protect you from other evils, but he can also be evil himself. He's like, but he can't protect you from himself. <laughs> He's like picking on humans, and then another demon's like, "Yeah, hey, 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 you don't, you don't talk <laughs> to humans like that. That's my job." Yeah, here, demon. Here's what's cool about uh, films in the '60s and '70s, though. Mm. These wild, like, rogue directors that would try to be these auteurs and do what they wanted, so they would like get the studios to do what they wanted. He was like, we have to have to film in Iraq. We can't film in. They were like, film in Arizona, film in New Mexico. They're like, no, we can't do that. We have to have it in the actual place just to get the feel and everything. So they took all their crew over there just for those opening scenes with the the main father, um, which is played by Max von Sydow, which is a great actor from back in the day. Which, that's by the way, now. I thought it was kind of funny. They were portraying him to be too old in the movie, but in he was only like in his 40s. Like 43. Yeah. So hasn't that man been 80 for like 50 years? Yeah. Well, the I'm cool sure thing about it is that's everything. all like makeup that Dick Smith yeah. did. And like, and apparently. They, honestly, for being in the 70s, that was for some pretty damn good makeup. Excellent job. makeup. Well, they Dick- predicted perfectly how he was going to look right? when he was actually 80 because I was like, isn't this man 80 now? Like, why was he looking like this 40 years ago? Yeah. I was cool really man. confused too because I thought that's who the actor was. And I was like, this movie was made in the 70s, and he was definitely not that old then. If he yeah. was, then he's immortal. When he was in Star Wars, he was 126. <laughs> <laughs> that dude has been old forever. Well, they well, said RIP like now, every day they would peel now. off his stuff and like just pour his sweat skin. would pour out of the fake skin they put on him. Hey, because it was 112 degrees every day filming. I didn't find that out. 
It's like Michael Keaton take like Michael Keaton taking off the bat suit. <laughs> God. So the drawback to this Not was rhinos. the Iraq, Iraqi bath party had full control of the country, but the political situation was volatile. So there was other parties trying to use their uh, mili- military influence to take over the entire country, right? What had happened was on June 30th in 1973, the president of the time came back from Bulgaria and Poland, and he was saved from an assassination when the flight he was on was delayed into Iraq. And so the hit squad that was waiting for him at the airport turned themselves in thinking that their plot had been foiled. That was Pazuzu. Which he is kind of fl- funny. He was flying the plane. So the attempted coup, which was led by Colonel Nazim Kazar, then sorry, directed... What, what an easy to crack like hit squad. It's like, He's not here yet. We got to turn ourselves in. Yeah. The jig is up. <laughs> they just They're turned themselves know. in. They're going to know. So the so the guy uh, I can't do this. The guy escaped. This colonel escaped from that to northern Iraq, right outside of where they were filming those scenes. They were less than ten miles from them. Right, cheese and rice. So the uh, the military apprehended him along with twenty two other members in a slight skirmish. They said so they are actually fighting just miles away from the filming site. Right. Huh. Beheaded every one of them, executed them, everyone, Jesus, killed them all. And and what's funny is that group that was that beheaded them, the Bath Party or whatever, was later overthrown by Saddam Hussein, who went on to have like thirty five years, forty years of supreme reign in that country, and just killed tons of people. So I mean, it's crazy that freaking would fight to go over there into this unstable country where they were still beheading people who still had very strong religious beliefs. And I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it'd be easier to just go to Sedona, Arizona and tape it. That's why it was such a cursed movie. He was tempting fate too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a German archeological dig there at the time. And that's what you see in the film. So you're seeing actual archeology span happen. As they sp- are doing it, so those weren't actors. That's the where I actor actually found Max. He was the, actually <laughs> digging. Yeah. They like, dug hey. up. The the guy and up. the little boy were the only <laughs> two actors in the whole scene, right? Yeah. And so the studio sent over a large Pazuzu, the one you see in the movie where he's standing in front of, and they said actually in their religion, there's no way they would have had anything above like a small two to three inch idol because they thought it carried too much evil. So imagine these people that really don't know what film is seeing people filming on an archaeological dig with a five foot statue of Pazuzu. <laughs> We're going to move a little to be the closer. Most evil. We're going to move a little closer to see what's going on. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it probably freaked their shit <laughs> what out. What the fuck yeah. is that? Uh, also in that scene, they put meat all over Pazuzu to get buzzards to come down and perch upon it. And it didn't work. They couldn't find buzzards. So they uh, 
took the meat off and threw free bread to wild dogs. And that's why you see the wild dogs. It's kind of a backup plan. It's like, hey, there's fucking wild dogs here. Let's just throw <laughs> some, like that they, some bread They were going to get meat to the buzzers, but the wild dogs just get bread. I know. <laughs> Maybe they didn't want to give them too rabbit or whatever. What if they give them the taste of meat? They didn't want to give them the taste of blood. <laughs> I was say, what if the bread like lured ducks over? <laughs> ducks out there eating it? We'll take the ducks, though. No <laughs> just rabid ducks. My God, they're tearing that bread apart. <laughs> now, during this dig, they also found upwards of two dozen, uh, the archaeological crew, while they were filming, found two dozen uh, decapitated heads of statues. Oh, oh God. Decapitated heads of statues. Oh, I thought you were going with that. From 248 AD. found the heads from earlier. <laughs> and and, and they, they say that these artifacts are potentially cursed and that's why they would behead them and then they buried them okay and that's what they were finding and they actually put all of that in the film so some of those things that's on that table when he goes in there hmm. those are the beheaded cursed artifacts yeah. from that religion i thought that was kind of neat it's kind of neat now some of the other stuff, since this is supposedly a cursed film, some of the other stuff on this film, the set caught fire in New York and completely burned down except for Reagan's room. So the entire replica replica of the interior of the home burned down completely except for her room. And they said, production manager said, don't bother coming to work this morning. The set's burning to the ground right now as we speak. And said the set, which was the interior of the home where Reagan and her mother lived, was located in old New York soundstage. The reason for the fire was never certain. Friedkin believes the cause was actual, like, stuff in the in the uh, interior at the top was letting in pigeons, and the pigeons were roosting up there, and the lights were up there, so they got burnt up in the lights and caught fire to the top of the building. I read some interesting shit about this movie as well, Do it. too, and... One of them is the mother, Chris, the actress who played her. Does anybody remember her name? Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn. Okay. She, she apparently like was was abused a lot on this set, like unnecessarily to like. She what? She was abused. She. Uh, oh yeah, I got that in my notes. She. The she harness was, thing. Yeah, like. She has no idea that they're going to, like, pull her down so hard. So, like, when she's in there and she's in the room with Reagan and Reagan jumps up and this is, like, when she first becomes, like, possessed. God, that kind of scared me. She goes, lick me, lick me. Yeah. And uh, when they go to pull her down and Chris is, like, shoved backwards and falls to the ground, that's an actual harness on her. And that's a person, like, pulling the harness. Well, she thinks that he's just going to delicately, like, kind of guide her back. He yanks her back down so hard she broke her caucus. Yeah. yeah she, and she uh, has permanent damage. Permanent damage. Like, she never walked the same again yeah. after that movie. It's fucking wild. And they said, like, they first had it where she was getting smacked. And I guess, apparently, Linda Blair wasn't hitting her hard enough and was afraid to hit her. And they taped it, like, four or five times. So the director and finally came they were like, and punched her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> finally, he was like, let's put a harness on true. her. And they put the harness on her later. And yeah. like pulled her and they pulled her way too hard. But that scream is supposedly real. Yeah, That's a real scream. Her screaming like that is her actually breaking her, her and caucus. This episode is actually in that films that are cursed. And mm -hmm. it shows that scene. Really? And shows the ending and her crying after it. 
but it also shows the scene of Linda Blair and they have the same kind of contraption on her and she's flipping back and forth on the bed and yeah. they in that scene to get her face facing them don't do that please god don't do that <laughs> facing them they end up like pulling her too hard and she hurt her lower yeah. back as well and she's actually crying at the end of that scene and it shows the whole scene at like before they hit it, cut it, wasn't she in that permanent too I'm pretty I, sure I don't like, know she did say it caused some like physical problems for quite a long time but this director sounds like a dick though like yeah going for Not all these natural that, reactions like, yeah Pain. so he does that but like again he doesn't tell them like hey we're gonna pull you a little bit harder than you expect be prepared for that because he wants a genuine reaction well of course your reaction is gonna be genuine would you fucking hurt somebody well there was like another instance that I read today too where he like there was a scene where he Fired a real gun next to uh, Priest. What's the actor's name? Not Max, but the other one, um, the younger You're one. You're talking about Demi. I don't Demi. Remember his name. He like he shot a real gun off like near his ear, yeah. and he didn't know about it, and it like pissed him off, and he like got into it with the director, and he was like saying, "Well, I wanted to get a natural reaction." He's like, "Well, I'm an actor. Yeah, I, I don't need yes. to like I can act like I'm being you know." That same actor you're talking about, um, th- the director, on the lines of him being a dick again. Her spitting the pea soup in his face. It was aimed. It was supposed his, to be yeah, on his chest, too. and he had no idea that it was aimed at his face. So when it spits in his face and he wipes it off, and he looks absolutely disgusted. It's because he was really pissed <laughs> off about it. This director is just like <laughs> after every little goes into like a. He's just leaning over like, watch this. Goes into like a dangerous country that could get them all killed, and then he's doing all these shenanigans to his actors. And, and every one of them that were on the film like call him a genius later on they're like he was a genius but he was very dangerous yeah i'm sure at the time though, a lot of geniuses are oh yeah you fucking guarantee they were pissed well yeah. i have all that in my notes you guys just hit it just, sorry just like, no sorry i've done that to you guys for a long bit it's just like with spielberg would like, everybody being so pissed at spielberg on the set of jaws and then later being like you know what it turned out pretty good <laughs> yeah i mean you're forever attached to one of the all-time great movies so yeah well, and he actually threw that actor out the window at the end and broke his neck. I thought that was a little yeah, too I much. He actually died. I was actually dead, and they were like, "Let's use this." <laughs> so after the after the fire, a Jesuit priest was supposedly brought in to bless the set after this incident. I think he did that more for show, but he actually did get a priest to come in. Uh, so here's some of the deaths tied to the film. So we were talking about those. Linda Blair's grandfather died during filming. Uh, two separate actors died immediately after filming. One was John Joseph McGowan, and he played the role of the alcoholic director Burke Dennings in the movie. And the one who was uh, thrown out the window in the movie off camera. Yep. Yeah. And he died at age fifty-four. So that guy was actually way younger looking or older looking than what I, what I thought he was. In real life, he was only fifty-four. Uh, but he I thought died that too. Like in the movie, when, when uh, Reagan was like, "Oh, I know you like Burke, and he's going to be your boyfriend. You guys are going to get married." And then they show the guy, and I was like, "That dude's like what? eighty-seven years old. This yeah. <laughs> old drunk Scottish dude." Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he was fifty-four in real life, and he died of the flu after complications resulting from the London flu epidemic less than a year later. That's so he died wow. right after this. Vasiliki uh, Maliaros who played Father Karras's mother, the old lady. Uh, she was discovered by Will- William Friedkin in a New York William Greek Shatner. restaurant, and he said that she looked and sounded perfect for the role. 
so she never had a single bit of acting experience before or after this film. But she was actually pretty good, I thought. Like, she played a creepy role. But she died at the age of 89 of natural causes less than a year after the film was released. So we call that a curse. A, they're stretching here. She's a line. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. She just so weak. She was 99 years old. Can't believe she didn't live longer. She had <laughs> such a short life. Uh, Sam Pazuzu. Supporting I'm actor Mass von Sydow. His brother passed away the first day of photography. So the first day he was on set, his brother died. Again, Max was like 90 when they filmed this. So his brother's probably <laughs> slash 40 aged backwards. Actor Jason Miller, which is, I'm assuming Jason Miller is the that, Karis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's Karis. Okay. Okay. Jason Jimmy. Miller's toddler son was struck by a motorcycle and killed during filming. Oh, God. Jesus. That's terrible. Other deaths included a night watchman, a special effects expert, and a cameraman's newborn baby. So apparently all that happened within a year or so uh, or during the filming. Ellen Burstyn, who played Reagan's mother, would, would only agree to do the film if her line, I believe in the devil, was taken out of the film. She wanted that taken completely out. Unfortunately, that did not protect her from the alleged curse during that scene, which you alluded to. She screamed in pain when being pulled back uh, after Linda Blair smacked it and hurt her. So it also, messed her up for life. Fucking ridiculous that like they're gonna say, "Oh, the scene, the set's cursed." And look at what happened to to this uh, to Ellen. Yeah, no, somebody was a dick and pulled her too hard to the <laughs> exactly. fucking ground. Well, and I don't I was, think back then the uh, special effects guys and stunt team was too safety-oriented <laughs> back in the 70s, you are know? Are you sure and this was, is a good idea for you to pull me so hard to the ground Maybe like the that? director was possessed and it caused him to do those horrible things to people. <laughs> I love his statements. <laughs> love him. I can't ever tell if he's being serious or not. Uh, he doesn't I'm always either. being serious. Don't ever question that. <laughs> Fuck. Once again. <laughs> he, he likes I didn't say with anything. You. I was the one who said it. <laughs> I know. Go ahead, man. Do you buy any of these curses? <laughs> so far, I do not. I mean, I that's mean, like, a lot to happen on one set, but at the same I mean, time, like, we talked about like... it with poltergeists and, you know, all those crazy things, and they supposedly were cursed because of the human skeletons that they used. And now you've got like Pazuzu. That you're bringing into this like, which is supposed that, to be a real demon. That you're bringing into this country where he's actually really like feared and I don't know a lot of we crazy stuff. We don't mean to kind of like interrupt your movie, but we're just kind of wondering: does that giant d- demon have to be over there? I mean, obviously yes. some of those things were a stretch, but like I don't know, like the kid getting killed. No, and I'm just the, saying it's fucked up that like like Mean said that they just put this giant statue. Oh, I know that. that it's it's not the same as like if they would were to do it here to where people would drive by and be like what the hell is that this is a this is a well known statue of a well known like demon right in this country that yeah. they're shooting in yeah so I think it's like pretty fucked that's up what I'm that saying. you put like, that there it, like and people maybe are that's where the curse started is. from yeah that's you know. I mean that's that's kind of the theory um, but then again it goes on I got more you want to hear more I do want to hear more all right so we got Mercedes McCambridge she is the voice actress. Reagan, and she also did the face. She was the Pazuzu face that they would superimpose in certain scenes over top of Reagan or in the background, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, which Dick Smith did that makeup. And that was actually the original makeup for Reagan being possessed, but they didn't like it. So they changed it and Dick Smith changed it to a cracked, weathered, bleeding kind of thing and put the Solera, you know, eye stuff in her eyes, you know, the little contact lenses Mm -hmm. and changed those up and showed her deteriorating over time, which I think was way better and way more genius. But anyway, this Mercedes lady uh, was discovered by Freak, not discovered. She, he wanted Freakin, Freakin wanted her, Freakin, Freakin. Friedkin wanted her because he saw her in some different stage plays. She was a stage and slight screen actress, um, but she was kind of older. And he, when he when he talked to her, apparently she asked him. She was like, "Why did you want me?" And you know, like she straight out told him, "I'm a fucking alcoholic." She's like, "I'm an <laughs> That's alcoholic." That's what we're looking for. And you know. He kind of thought she was going to turn down the role the way she was talking to him about the role. And we'll she was like, I'm, a, an I'm an alcoholic and, and I believe in this stuff. He thought immediately she was going to turn turn down the role because she believed in demon possession and this and that. And she was like, I will absolutely do it. <laughs> and I was like, what? So Bailey her requirements Bourbon. apparently was drinks and cigarettes on the set to fuck up her voice even worse. And she requested to be tied up to a chair, kind of a la The Conjuring. Yeah. And would be tied to this chair while she was drinking and smoking. Like somebody would put it in her mouth and she'd blow it out and then like like start screaming to get her voice hoarse as it could be and just <laughs> mess the commitment. voice for... Yeah, just Reagan. Yeah, gotcha. For Reagan. So and like they would record her saying the same stuff and then superimpose the different ones over top of each other to get the sound. So it's multiple voices of her talking. That's actually just that's crazy. Just how she sounds in her real life. Like she just pulls up the Taco Bell. Let me get a uh, number two. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's crazy that she went through all that. But there's there's a little bit of real life like tragedy in her life. Now can't it didn't come immediately afterwards. Came way later on. But in 1987, so we're talking 14 years later. In 1987, 14 years later, her son was killed with his wife and children before, or killed his wife and children before turning the gun on himself. So her actual son, like, did a murder-suicide of his entire family. That is... Which is a little crazy. I don't think that's maybe cursed, but that's pretty bad. Pretty fucked up, yeah. That'd fuck you up. Now, here's the one that I love. It's my favorite. An extra in the film, Paul Bateson. Did you guys read this in your little research he was doing? I don't think so. You want to throw it in? How about you, Wells? Paul Bateson, ring a bell? No, it doesn't. Paul Bateson was a real-life x-ray tech at NYU Medical Center where the uh, the scene of her getting all the medical stuff was filmed. Um, And you could see him in the background. Um, Wait, I think I do know this one, but go ahead. Here we go. Go ahead. I don't want to. No, go ahead. See See a real serial killer? He was a real killer. Jesus. So in 1979, Bateson was found guilty of the murder of a film critic named Addison Verrill, whom he'd stabbed in the heart and suspected of killing at least six other men, disposing of their bodies in plastic bags found washed up along the Hudson River. God, he was he was the original Bay Harbor butcher. <laughs> Bateson admitted to several killings. He killed one man by crushing his skull with a metal skillet. So oh most God. of them were stabbings, but he did beat a man to death. Like a cast iron skillet? Yeah. You're giving Wells ideas. Look at him in deep thought over there. (laughs) 
You could crush a man's skull with a skillet. So I don't have anything else except for they had a they had a really bad part two, and part three was awesome. I thought I was a big fan of part three and with George C. Who's Scott. Who's in part three? George, Mr. C. George. Charles Scott. I don't know if that's really. What and then they got a 2023 for. reboot coming with Ellen Burstyn playing in it. So, okay. So I did yeah, hear I about, about that. that. Um, I didn't hear that she was going to be in. I don't think I knew that part. Uh, did you guys watch the TV series? I actually met one of the guys that was a producer on that one really? time. Yeah. I haven't actually it watched didn't really, it. It didn't go very far. Like two seasons. I think it was like two seasons. Yeah. yeah. I heard. Um, I heard like critic wise like. People liked it, but I just didn't watch it for whatever reason. So what do you guys think of the movie? The original? Let's Overall, I liked the movie, and I, I still like the movie. I think it held up well for being a movie made in the 70s. Agreed. I thought it was captivating. Yeah, I liked the movie. It was it was good. <laughs> you ready for bed, buddy? I'm getting there. Get a little tired. Well... My my statement on the movie, I it was one of the scariest movies I saw when I was little. I, I put that right up there with Jaws for me because I watched this movie at way too young of an age. <laughs> and it's still, for some reason, when I watch the movie with a group of people, it doesn't affect me. But when I watch it alone, and I like to do that kind of stuff because I like it's trying to get scared at this age. uncomfortable to It's watch a alone. very uncomfortable movie. Unsettling, uncomfortable. This movie? I watch everybody. Now maybe it speaks to my character, but I watched it as a little kid for the first time by myself late at night, and I don't think it had any kind of effect on me. But did it? Well, wait, you're saying it when you were a kid, you watched it? Mm-hmm. How little are we talking? I don't know, probably like ten, maybe. And that's when we knew he was born to be a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. I was also the kid that used to sneak up late at night to watch Tales from the Crypt. So. I just feel like this movie has like something to it that's I don't know if it's because she's a little girl and she's doing things that are so not little girl like. like I think it's the thing. I, it I think is. it's the voice with the little the girl. voice, the yeah. Stabbing herself in the in the vagina with a crucifix is the most brutal blasphemous thing you could think of. Like really, it's really up there. Weren't people like fainting and vomiting and yeah. the test screening of that? <laughs> like all over, the, like when they released it, yeah, people were like everywhere having trouble watching it. But it became well, quickly one of the biggest grow. It was the highest grossing movie of all time for a while. Could you imagine the woman that did the voice for for Reagan um, actually being a very attractive woman with this fucked up voice, <laughs> and you like you like take her home and. You get intimate with her, and she's like, "Fuck me, fuck me." <laughs> you know what? Actually, I think I'm gonna grab my coat. I'm leaving. Another fun fact. I guess I should have mentioned it when you were doing your facts earlier about her. I guess there was like some controversy because Linda Blair um, got nominated for like best actress or sporting actress or something mm-hmm. for the Academy Award, and it was like realized later that she didn't do the voice, and so, but you like, there's like a rule that once you're nominated, you can't be unnominated, un-nominated. so yeah. there was kind of like some controversy about her actually like earning that and and but i mean like she still had to act in the i was movie. gonna say it's, yeah she's i'm not actually saying, acting yeah i just i don't know i feel like some people maybe thought that that's what made her do so well in the roles that they thought she was doing that voice which i don't know why you would ever think 
that voice a 12 or 15 or however yeah. old she but was. But still, could the make facial expressions voice. and everything she was doing. She was terrifying even without, yes. even just the look she would. I mean, I know she had makeup and the green contacts and everything, which helps. But like, yeah, she was a very creepy, very creepy girl, but also a very sweet girl in the early scenes before she was possessed. So she definitely, she definitely was acting. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's true. She played both uh, parts of that very well. Yeah. And I saw her at a drive-in once. I was there with you. In the movie? You were not there. You were supposed to be there. I don't think you were there, though. Yeah, I was there. I took a picture of her from the side. Maybe you saw her at another drive-in. She goes to a lot of drive-ins. What are are the odds? Maybe you were there. I don't know. (laughs) But I saw her from afar. She's it's aged like, pretty well. It's like me, you and Means are supposed to go to a drive-in movie together. Means says he can't make it, but he goes to the same drive-in movie, but doesn't uh, tell you he's there. <coughs> I'm sorry, man. I just, he's, I really three, he's three cars down You're from you. You're parked right next to me, man. Back. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so she was, we're both wrong. She was 13 when they filmed. Okay. He goes to take she a picture. She was almost 14. Maybe I was thinking of the second one. He takes she a picture of Linda Blair in the car next to her. You could see through her you <laughs> sitting over there in the car watching the movie. <laughs> it's that uh, Charlie Day meme. <laughs> I remember because they got her up on top of the uh, the concession stand thing and the guy announced her. He, like, she like climbed Maybe. up a ladder with him. I and- remember also randomly Michael Madsen was also there. Was he there the night you were there? Maybe. Which drive-in was this? I've and seen I want to say there was Georgetown. maybe one other celebrity, but I, I only remember those. It was two. Georgetown, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he gets not, them when they not the Georgetown from the movie. The Georgetown. Georgetown drive-in. <laughs> huh. She just like out enjoying herself, or hey, maybe she that's why she came to that drive-in. Shit. Like some kind of fan service. Put your hands in your pocket. Shit. Shit. Uh, I think she likes me. She's got a crush on me, kind of like Adrian Barbeau. Does Michael Madsen also have a crush on you? Uh yeah probably he takes a lot of coke so snorts a lot of that powder mm. cocaine okay so going back to the movie I want to give props not only to Linda Blair because that was good acting it was uh, yeah I wasn't trying was, to take anything very away from ballsy her. I, just... I think Father Karras the Miller guy his acting in that and the third one excellent uh the director even though he's freaking crazy. Had a had a very effective movie that was affecting for years with people. You know, it wasn't just like a one time watch. It's something you could watch twenty years later and still feel the power of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the tubular bells or whatever they call it, the soundtrack song, iconic. It's very iconic. I mean, I love that soundtrack. And then the setting being, once again, this goes like modern science versus, you know, like weird theoretical you know like spiritualism and it shows that a lot in the film at the beginning is like all spiritualism then the modern science and like how they did the stuff and then going back and forth between the two you know having you say well if god's dead you know how's this happening how how come medicine can't explain it and i mean it's just it was a shocking movie in that aspect Hmm. i like that movie it was a great movie so what, yeah, we're getting into the movie a little bit, but like, so what's the significance of the first scene with the old priest finding Pazuzu? Because are we supposed to assume that Pazuzu was the one possessing her? He is. Because they never made that connection. And why would this demon from Iraq randomly possess this girl 
You know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like he it, brought it back with him. Because maybe, the artifacts, or, wasn't it? No, she the I, maybe it was lost on me. I don't know. The Pazuzu. No, I agree with you on that. It was kind of weird they showed all the beginning in the because I always Pazuzu. thought the, I always thought the beginning scene was kind of random and weird because I, I, it doesn't I agree. really because you don't even see the him until the end of the movie again. Yeah, the Pazuzu like, and I know the, you see him later when they're exercising her. Yeah, but I just never they never made that connection like well, obvious. And the thing is, like at the beginning, you see the statue of Pazuzu, right? And then toward the end, when they're exercising her and she gets up on the bed, the statue of Pazuzu is behind her. Right. Yeah. So, so was she possessed by Pazuzu? Yeah. And if so, I mean, it's like what are the odds at the beginning of the movie, Father Karis? Marin. 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 Father Max. Marin. Father Max. Father Maxwell Marin. It explains it in the book. It does. Well, yeah. It's, I so it in the book, it talks about that. how he is previously, and it shows this in part two, which part two is a horrible film. But anyway. But isn't Max in part two and Linda Blair both? Yeah. I need to and watch it, it. But it explains in it that he has had this past spiritual fight with the same demon before. They he, vaguely mention it in the first one where they say yeah. 10 years ago he exactly. almost lost his life. Was yeah. That, was, it, was that supposed to be Pazuzu as well? They yes. kind of nod to they it. They kind of act like he is already like fighting with Pazuzu and they didn't finish the fight and somebody's. <laughs> I think it's one of those things. Round like, two. It was a nod. It was a nod to it was a nod to that. Like if you had read the book. Yeah. But if you hadn't, you're like, I don't get it. <laughs> Like, That's I mean, kind of what I figured, but I felt like they still could have made it a little more. Should have made it more clear. And but then, but the two of them like facing off right there, and you seeing him facing him, it's almost like a fight, like a heavyweight fight. They're about yeah. ready to go at it, and then it doesn't show him. And Jesus you knew at devil, some like point South Park. he's going to show up because he has all the faith, and Karis has no faith left, mm-hmm. and that it's kind of about Marin's story passing on that faith back to Karis. Karis has to have faith to defeat it. Have you ever watched The Exorcist, The Beginning? I have, but I don't remember much about it. I liked it when it first came out. Yes, you have. I watched it with you. I'm saying the same thing. It seems like I know I've seen it, but I don't really remember much about it. I was going to say, we watched it in theater together, and we liked it. And now, like, I went back and watched it recently, and it's not very good. So... (laughs) Um, it was one of those I liked it when I was younger. I don't like it now. The reason I bring it up is because it is about Father Marin um, being over in Africa, I want to say. I well, can't that's remember. where they said his first exorcism was, I think, okay. in Africa. Yes, so it's that then. Which so, is in part two. Is it really? Okay, yep. so in the beginning, he's he's approached by another priest, and the head of this church basically wants him to come with him uh, to investigate something, even though in this movie he's lost his faith, but he's still like an archaeologist mm-hmm. technically, mm-hmm. and he convinces him to come with him for like the scientific aspect of it, which is kind of funny because then you find out when they go there, they're on this dig and they take him there, and what they've discovered is a church that's been buried for centuries, like. A long, like, a long time ago. I can't tell you the exact year. But, you know, the old, like, crusade days. So, anyway, Father Marin in this movie goes here. He's he's not a man of faith anymore. He's offended when people call him Father. He doesn't want to be called that because he's lost his faith. And then they deal with kind of possession 
but they're like making it sound like it's a plague the whole time. And then at the end of the movie, um, you kind of find out that this church that's been buried that looks like preserved. It, I mean, for a church that's been buried for thousands of years, there's really no like damage or anything to it. It looks pristine and they get inside of it and somebody's already like been down there and like, uh, 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 what's the vandalized it. So at the end of the movie, he ends up doing an exorcism and gaining his faith back. And they really, 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 really hint that that demon is Pazuzu as well, because he keeps finding trinkets like the little, uh, trinket that he found when he was doing the dig in the first movie of Pazuzu. You remember that little thing he, he picked up? Mm-hmm. He finds that in this movie. And then at the end of the movie, he uh, there's this big like sandstorm. He drops it. Cat wasn't in. He drops it and all this like dirt like washes over it and he, he's digging and he can't find it. But it's right outside of this hospital. Okay. And then later it's supposed to be like the the 70s exorcist movie. He's digging and he finds it again, but it's in a completely different location. So I thought that was kind of weird. So they were trying to they were trying to like <laughs> we're both like trying to stay with you. They were trying to like tie the two movies together. Yeah. Just had a struggle. If you watch like it, part two struggled too. I haven't seen part two. It's weird because I've I've seen most of part three, but I've never watched part two. I think I've seen like one scene of part two. Um, but yeah, I feel like they kind of they kind of struggled. I thought it was neat that they were trying to explain it and they were trying to like show you like how part one ended with Father Marin and Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. It was kind of anticlimactic in my opinion. A little bit. I mean, because he just kind of like... I mean, even in the beginning movie and this movie. Oh. It's like, we went against him twice. And and then, like, in, in this one, he dies. And I never really explain how he dies. Like, yeah, I mean, I know it was, like, supposedly the, taking a lot of energy from him to and, exercise. And he's old, yeah. But he took those pills right before, too. So maybe he well, it's like, almost like he has a weakened heart. And then he, like... <laughs> He because he clutches his chest, and then once he slumps over, and then the demons over on the side going, <laughs> kind of like, well, yeah, that, I got gotcha, you finally. That and when like uh, when Karis comes over to like console him, he's like, no, no. But also like, would throwing yourself out a window and killing yourself would that kill the demon, or would he just go to another person at that point too? I feel like he just kind of killed himself for nothing. I'm sure it was more symbolic but I th- than anything. I, I think a lot of yeah, I think a lot of it was he he finally found the faith that he to was looking her. for to save her because yeah. she was an innocent and he's but like coming to me and I'll That was a that was a well filmed graphic fall. Like my neck hurt watching that because yeah. it was very like they showed like a body you landing wanna, and I was like, a little Ooh. side to this. I just went to Washington DC like two years ago, two summers ago. Pushed my head and I decided to go to every spot filmed in the film that I could find and I found all of them including the house the steps really the, uh, the little track that they used to have is is like slightly different now but like all that stuff's still there in Georgetown so you were able to find the stairs that Burke and Karis went down yep. and did it look and exactly the, the house, like it did in the movie yeah I got pictures of me on it that's like laying that's, like I'm dead that's cool <laughs> 
me and my buddy, uh, te- fellow teacher Todd Cannon, both took pictures in front of it like that, and, <laughs> and both laid like we were dead for pictures. And a pre a preacher, actually priest or something, was coming down the steps and laughing because they. <laughs> I mean, Georgetown I still it. has all those preachers that teach there. You know, it's private college. He's like, or was it like a sarcastic laugh? Like he sees that all the time. Probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, there were exorcists. We, we literally had to wait <laughs> our turn to take pictures at it because there were people there looking at it. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. We walked across that big bridge. In fact, the, the shot it shows at the bridge and then shows their house off in the distance. Mm-hmm. We stayed in the same hotel they got that shot from. What Darren doesn't know is the guy's like laughing, like, oh, that's clever, real funny. But when Darren turns around, he pulls out his rosary and some holy water and starts like <laughs> muttering prayers under his breath and throwing it on Darren's back. <laughs> the house actually looks quite a bit different, like used to. And I, I'd say they probably changed it because people taking pictures and everything. But speaking of which, they've got like a big like fence around it now. And let's talk about how you guys feel about that scene of the movie where Father Karras first goes in to see if he believes if Reagan is really possessed so he can go tell the church what are we actually going to do this exorcism and he goes in there with the holy water and throws it on her and she says it burns it burns and he tells her her mother later like it was just tap water I never blessed it what do you guys make of that part demons lie why would he lie about being burned Maybe who knows why demons do what they do. Even though it wasn't technically blessed holy water, he was okay. still a priest throwing water on her. Maybe that still was enough to. I don't know. I thought that was kind of weird too, but I think they have to put a little bit of that doubt in the movie to make it kind of yeah to see it from both perspectives a little bit. Because until she got really bad, it still could have been like faked. Because he didn't even believe her. Even after they got the okay, didn't wasn't there a line in the movie like after they got the authorization to do it, he still said something about like I don't really believe it, but she needs help or something. I, I don't remember what he said, but I'm pretty sure there was a line similar to that in the movie. He lost a lot of his faith when his mother died, and like he was kind of like, how can a god do this to me, to to her? Right. You know, but he was just kind of a shitty son. Let's be honest. <laughs> Why do you she, she, me, Amy? She begged him to take her out of that place. (laughs) And he didn't listen to her. Poor poor woman. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. (laughs) Hey, you talking about my mom? (laughs) Sorry. She doesn't listen, She's not dead yet. (laughs) It's like Monty Python. I'm not dead yet. Ah, Close enough. But no, I think the movie is just iconic, shocking, uncomfortable. Like, there's just... So many things I think that makes it a classic. I think there are just scenes that stay with you forever. Is it the scariest movie of all time? I feel like we could get into a huge debate on that, but like I think it definitely. Should I don't be really know what it's would definitely be scarier to me. It's de- how about this? It's definitely one of the best horror films of all time because even if it scares you, it's still a horror film. If we're talking like just all time shock factor, to me, it's one of the greatest movies of all time as far as a horror movie. All right, you guys got anything else? So let's give a review of The Exorcist. I personally, it's one of my all-time favorites, so I'm going to give it a nine to nine and a half, right in that area. Mm-hmm. You're also the gonna, dude that doesn't like Texas Chainsaw Mask, so I don't, I don't listen well, to the damn thing you say. Yeah, it's because it's terrible. <laughs> Millions of people disagree. 
Oh, millions of people are stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, millions of people. <laughs> are you waking up? Yeah, so we have millions of listeners, don't you know? We might one day. Like um, I'd probably give the original Exorcist an eight for its time. It is a good movie. It's probably not one of my favorite horror movies of all time, but it's really good. I'm gonna give it an eight point five. I was gonna say eight and a half. Oh, bad. You still can. I'll, I'll say, say I'll say eight. Uh, well, sorry, it. No, I'll say a nine. Don't do this to me, <laughs> Demi. Don't Demi. do this, Demi. Trendy, trendy. Why? I me? mean, it's a classic. I gotta get it. Give it a. I mean. Are you giving it that nine just because he said eight point five? That's what first? I'm thinking because he just said he was gonna give it an eight well, and a half. He's like, oh, hey, I was going to give it an 8.5. Oh, you son of a bitch. Now I'm giving it a 9. <laughs> I could pull an E and, and give 8. it like 7. an 8.5. Yeah, like right in the middle. I'm sorry. I just said it, so now you 8. can't 8. give it to it. I don't know. Uh, You're ready, man. 8.5 to a 9 in that ballpark. i got to wake up. It's it's 2 in the morning. So that's all we got on The Exorcist. I can't help but notice that you guys are worried about me, but I seem to be the most wide awake right now. No, I'm awake. I said, What's funny is that we made it literally to the finish line and Means fell asleep. <laughs> like he was good until we started wrapping I'm it up. Good. Well, I'm just waiting on you guys. I'm like, are they ever going to get done? We keep bringing up new points. Another great thing about this movie <laughs> Sorry is... Sorry we're reviewing too much. By, by the way... But it was supposed to be a brief review. Was it? The makeup and yeah. art direction were fantastic. Let's get into that a little bit. Now. How did you feel about their hairstyles? Did you feel like... Oh. Yeah. Also, the way the way Father Karras ran, do you think I was favorite, a little wild? Favorite like scary scene for me. He did look me. like a boxer. <laughs> favorite scary scene or imagery for me is twofold. One is when Marin first comes into the we house. We were jokingly dragging this out, and now you've actually <laughs> run to another when subject. When Marin was first coming into the house, uh-huh. and then when she's floating and you first see her eyes like rolled back in her head, love those scenes. Oh, the best scene is easily the classic head spin. Which was not special effects. She actually <laughs> rolled her head back. She earned that Oscar nomination. I respect that. Freaking was voice like, or you no better voice. turn your head I, back I around. respect her head game. She Come was 12. Oh, wow. Not now. <laughs> you mean not now? She was 12 when she did it. You're the one talking about a 12-year-old's head game. I didn't say <laughs> no. I, was, I wasn't thinking about it like, hey, don't be putting yourself off on me because y'all thought about it like it. All right, we are... Uh, <laughs> The Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> I'm weak. I didn't oh, get man. to say my favorite imagery. <laughs> Good. You just said enough about the imagery. <laughs> you guys put too much imagery in my head. What was your favorite part? Oh, gosh. You got <laughs> nothing, there. So my answer was going to be, my, the imagery I take away is always in the final battle when they go in the room and it's like ice cold and you can see everyone's breath and it's just super creepy. So what's cooler than cool? Ice cold. <laughs> Thank you. Ian woke up for that one. <laughs> yeah, he did. All right. My so stomach's writing help me right now. <laughs> so we get the fuck out of That's here. That's the dominoes. <laughs> help imagine, me. Imagine if you would ate Papa John's. All right. Thanks for enjoying the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Ian. And I'm Trent. This is like, this is like the longest outro we've ever done. <laughs> Maybe nothing's possession. Maybe it's just lack this of cat's sleep. Possessed. <laughs> this cat is possessed. This cat is off the chain. Oh, look, he's.
I bone his next victim. I see your little paw sticking out. Between the living and the dead. Kasuzu. Kasuzu. Okay. Oh, are you known?